Good morning, church. Good morning. I'm Pastor Hez, one of the elders here. I'll be bringing the word as we jump into the book of Habakkuk. Would you pray with me this morning, church? Father, help us. Help us to see what you would have us to see that it might strengthen us, that it might might give us faith, and that even some might believe your gospel this morning, O Lord. I pray that you would have your way in this place, that you would have your way over me, and that you would do whatever you want to do by your power and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, church, we will be continuing in our sermon series in the Minor Prophets as we will be jumping into the book of Habakkuk, which is a book that seems simple at first glance, but, but as I began to study it, I realized that it's a, it was a bit more complex than it seems as the book is written using these, these different styles of writing and, and methods that can make it feel more like a, a quilt of different patches that were sewn together to form a whole rather than one flowing, cohesive thought. But the more I dove into the book, church, the more I saw the beauty of it. As I saw the, the cohesiveness and the progression it became more and more evident to me as it, as it opens up with this beautiful prayer of lament. A prayer of lament, church, that then becomes a, a conversation between Habakkuk and God. And then we watch as that conversation moves from a conversation to God giving him a vision or a revelation. A revelation, church, that ultimately leads the prophet to worship And though we don't have quite enough time this morning, church, amen, (laughs) to walk through all of those transitions and, and the details of it, my goal is to try to draw out three main truths from it that I hope will help all of us to better learn how we might live by faith in the midst of sin and suffering in a broken world. As we are faced with all that is before us today, my hope is that Habakkuk might might help us to be reminded that in the midst of the most challenging situations, church, we can truly trust God and his word, regardless if it's the, the most horrendous persecution and oppression or whether it be pressing through the regular pressures of life in an ever-changing world. God and his truth remains the same. This book, church, feels sort of like a a continuation from the book of Nahum that we heard about last week, as it sort of picks up where Nahum leaves off, as Nahum prophesies the fall of great Assyria, who has caused great suffering for the nation of Judah. We soon learn from the book of Habakkuk that though this this prophecy will prove to be true, it does not mean that there is end in sight to the great violence and suffering that Judah is facing. 
But in fact, church, we learn that God is raising up a greater and even more wicked nation than the Assyrians as, those, uh, uh, as the nation uh, of Babylon is being raised up. A nation that would continue the violence and suffering of Judah. Though they might have thought that there would be reprieve, they soon learned that they were just being passed from the hands of one wicked nation to another. As I meditated on these scriptures, I found myself trying to imagine, church, what it would be like to live in such a time as they did. I think about seeing the tragedy day in and day out, wondering if it will ever end. And as I meditated on this church, it led me to think about a more recent time, a more tangible time in history, as it mirrors much of the suffering and the wickedness that we see in this book, as African slaves face much of the same violence and suffering during a time when they were terrorized and mutilated where parents were stripped away from children and those who were created in the image of God were used as commodities and resources as they face injustice and oppression for over 400 years with no end in sight. As I thought about these two realities, church, I found myself asking the question of how could someone truly endure these atrocities, and yet still hold on to faith in God. As we have recently celebrated Juneteenth, I am reminded of a documentary that I watched that spoke of what happened when those slaves who were finally freed heard the news about their freedom. It said that there was a great procession or, or celebration that went from the legislative building in Galveston, Texas to a small church where these men and women who had only known enslavement celebrated immediately by praising the Lord for their freedom. Even now, as I retell that story, I wonder how they faced so much suffering church, but yet remained so faithful, though I pray, church, that we might never have to face such horrendous things, my hope is that we might be able to attain such a faith as theirs. As we draw from the testimony of Habakkuk this morning, a testimony that begins, church, in an unexpected way, as this, this prophetic book begins much like a psalm, as it opens with a great prayer of lament, a prayer that Habakkuk takes before God as he pours out his heart about the reality of the situation before him, a prayer that is central, church, to the first point of our sermon this morning, as our first point is simply that in order to live by faith in the midst of suffering, we must be honest about the reality before us as we go to the Lord fervently through prayer and lament. The prophet's prayer, which begins in chapter 1, verse 2, is extremely reminiscent of the words penned by David in Psalm 13. As he opens with a great cry of anguish, asking God, how long? 
As he says, oh Lord, how long shall I cry? His plea immediately draws in our attention and emotion as he begins this prayer with a great burden. A prayer that seems to be one that has been ongoing as he has continued to carry this burden to the Lord. His question, church, of how long lets us know that this burden has been one that he can't, he can't seem to escape. As it sounds almost as if he now is on his last leg. As he has been crying out to God with no response. He says, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? In other words, there seems to have been no change as him and his people have continued to face violence and injustice. There is sin and evil that is constantly being carried against the people. And Habakkuk's plea for help seems to have gone unheard In the midst of all the sin and brokenness that is going on around him, he has continued, church, to to press into God as he looks for hope in his present suffering. But his prayers have been met with silence as there seems to have been no words and no change. And Habakkuk seems to be losing all hope As Judah finds itself in the midst of political unrest, war, and death, many of the people of Judah have abandoned God. They have turned away from the covenant between them and God, and they have turned to the worship of idols and cult practices. They have set up high places and built Asherah poles as they have given themselves over to the ways and will of their captors. They have given up on God and his law, and now all Habakkuk can see is is evil and injustice, a condition that leads him, church, to even wrestle with trusting God himself, especially as he has gone to him time and time again, pleading and interceding on the behalf of the people. He begins, church, to even question God's character as he begins to ask himself how is it that an everlasting God all-powerful most holy God could allow such evil and violence to continue especially against this nation of people whom he has called his own Habakkuk's questioning of God's actions and character stands out as sort of an insult to God. Even in his second complaint, he says, are are you not the everlasting God? Are you not the one who you say you are? Though I would never recommend that anyone insult God, I do believe that there are some things that we can can look at in Habakkuk's question and, and draw from as he lays his burden before God. And the first thing that I think we can draw from church is simply his honesty. Habakkuk poses questions to God that many of us, if we were truly honest, 
have pondered in our minds, especially if you have faced any kind of tragedy or suffering. Many of us has wrestled with how a good God could let such evil things happen. Though we might have never seen the things that Habakkuk witnessed, we all have seen tragedy in our broken world. We all have seen war and oppression that truly should lead us all to be constantly crying out to God, asking how long, oh Lord, will you let this continue? As we see human trafficking and abortion, as we have watched men and women left dead in the street, children's lives taking at the hands of others, we should all be shouting out cries of lament and Maranatha. Habakkuk in his role, church, as a prophet, also stands as a mediator before God and the people. Though they have abandoned God and his ways, he knows that God is the only one who can help. He knows that God is the only one who can do something about their circumstances. And so he has continued to go before God about the reality that is before him. And he asks him to change it, to change the hearts and minds of people, to take away suffering and give joy, to help them turn away, church, from lawlessness, to renew their hope and bring justice forth. I believe that as we church, uh, that we church must see ourselves in the same way. We must see ourselves as, as mediators, those who stand between God and the world as we go to God, intercessing for them on their behalf. This means, church, that we can't be those who, who isolate ourselves away from the world and its brokenness. And we also can't be those who give ourselves over to it. But we need to be those who are burdened by it. And before we do anything else, church, before we go to the internet to make our complaints, we need to be those who will go on our faces before a holy God. We should be lamenting regularly, constantly going to the Lord in prayer, we must be those who can hold compassion in one hand and, and truth in the other, much like Christ. We need to be those who are quick to forgive and quick to love, even though against those who have sinned against us. And I truly believe that it is the, the regular practice, church, of lament and prayer that helps us to keep those very things in balance, though I'm not sure. In fact, I'm pretty sure I would never recommend challenging God's character as Habakkuk did. I do believe, church, that we can go to him reminding him of his great promises to us. We can ask him, church, to provide all the things that he has promised to provide to us. We can ask him to provide peace and joy we can ask him to provide justice and help. We can ask him to end our great suffering, to provide resources and even prosperity. 
Please hear me, church, as I tell you that it is not sinful to ask for these things. For the Lord has promised every single one. But as we ask for those things, which is right, we must also have right expectations, church, as God is sovereign, which means that he does not move on on your timeline, church, but he moves by his will and on his time. We must know that though we can petition him for his help, he is not obligated to respond how we want or when we want. For his thoughts, church, is not our thoughts and his ways is not our ways. Therefore, we can be bold and honest with God about our feelings and our ass in the midst of struggling. Even when we're struggling to trust him. Even when in our hearts we are truly questioning his character, church. But we must know that he is doing more than we can ask or think. And because of that, he allows us to continue sometimes to go through things. He allows us to continue to struggle and have lack for the means of carrying out his very great purposes in us. Therefore, he hears, church, and he always answers the prayers of the righteous. And this is what he says when he responds to Habakkuk in chapter 1, verse 5, as he immediately challenges Habakkuk's complaint to him. A complaint that was built around him not responding. A complaint that made God out to be this sort of eye in the sky that was just sitting back and watching. This sort of transcendent God who was unmoved by the injustice that was going on around Habakkuk and the brokenness of his world. God reveals the truth and the character of his work, church, as he says in verse 5, look among the nations and see. He says, wonder and be astounded for I am doing a work in your days that had I, had I said it to you, you would not believe. God, rather than telling Habakkuk in that moment about who he was and what he was doing, decided to open up Habakkuk's eyes to see all that he was doing. In that moment, church, he gave Habakkuk sight to see all of the sovereign work that he was doing in the spirit realm. He showed him all that he was doing supernaturally. For he says it is, it, it is too great for your, your natural mind to even contain it and, and believe it. Therefore, I must show you. And so he allows for the prophet to get a glimpse of the inner workings of his supernatural sovereign plan and church, though the book doesn't say it, I truly believe that he, he was able to see what God was going to do through Judah, church. As he promises a seed that was going to come, that was going to bring salvation to all from this, from this nation who was being pummeled who is facing great suffering. For he says, it's too great for words. For even if I told you, your natural mind would not believe it. And so he shows him 
And as he shows them these things, he shows them how he is using these evil nations to bring about his great promises. He sees how he allows violence and and injustice to temporarily carry on how he raises up army against army, nation against nation, how he allows for some to lack while, while allowing for others to have more, all to bring about his purposes and his promises so that his people, church, who are called by his name would turn to him and worship him. God shows him that he is not a God who sleeps or slumbers, who stands back idly while sin and suffering endures. But he is a God that allows for momentary affliction to endure as a means of bringing about his sovereign will, which is a much greater eternal weight of glory, one in which he is preparing even this day for us, church. This is why we must be a people of prayer and lament. Because though it doesn't always change the circumstances or situation, it changes how we endure it. As prayer, church, is the, is the means by which God provides faith. Faith that helps us to endure through it as we continue to trust God. In fact, this is what Jesus prays for us in John 17. As he prays what we call the high priestly prayer. A prayer in which he prays for all who are his. Those who he says will remain in this broken world. Jesus, in this great prayer, prays that the Father would not take us out of the world, not not that he would remove us from it, from the brokenness and suffering of it, but, but that he would keep us from the evil one in it. That he would keep us and protect us, church, from his evil ways. That he would guard us from hopelessness and destruction so that none might be lost. He prays that we might be sanctified in the truth of his word. That we might be made perfectly obedient in his ways as we continue to trust him. This is what Jesus prays. And this is what the Lord answers for Habakkuk in his prayers for Judah. As he gives Habakkuk a vision for the people, a vision that is a prophecy which will display his sovereign control. An unbelievable prophecy that will in its time come forth to prove that he is who he says he is and that he does what he says he will do. One that will give Habakkuk and the people of Judah great faith even in the midst of suffering. Though the the vision does not immediately relieve uh, Habakkuk of this burden, what is evident as he sees this great plan of God from his first response to the second is that this God that seemed far off at first now seems to be very much personal for Habakkuk. As he goes from the God of silence 
to a God of hope. To where he says in verse 12, my God and my Holy One. Though he is still wrestling with the truth of God's plan, there's this sort of resolve. As he says in verse 12, we shall not die. Meaning Judah shall not be wiped away. He realizes that Judah is not going to be wiped off the face of the earth. Though it is facing judgment from a holy God for their wickedness. That God that is truly um, carrying out his justice as he punishes them for their ways. They have turned away from him, yet though he, his punishment is, is, is not this punishment without means. But Habakkuk says it is, a, it is a reproof. He says it is a means of correction that will ultimately lead the nation back to the ways of God. Therefore, this, this punishment, this suffering that they are going through is a, is a way of sanctifying them that they might turn back to God and his ways. God says to him in chapter 2, verse, verse 2, take this vision. Take all that I have shown you. Take, take, them, uh, take this and take it to them. Show them how I'm raising up a much more greater nation even than Assyria who will, who will wipe Assyria out. Show them how you're going to continue to suffer the violence through it. But I'm doing it all that I might bring through and bring about my purposes the Lord gives to Habakkuk two imperatives to carry out. He tells him to write down the vision. In other words, make it available so that it might be seen by all and make it plain so that it might be clear to understand. Help them to see what I'm doing and why I'm doing it so that when it comes to pass, the people might turn from their ways and worship me. So that they will know that I am sovereignly in control, that I care about them enough to punish them for their wrong, that they might turn away from their sins and be saved. We as believers, much in the same way, have testimony of God's word that has been written down and given to us. Testimony, church, that has been made plain. But instead of us facing great punishment for our sins, we are told of a great savior who suffered the great wrath of God for us that we might be saved. He rescued us from eternal damnation and death that we might receive life. Testimony, church, of an everlasting God whose love towards us has brought the death of his son. He has given us a word that we might look back and see all that he has done on our behalf, that we might trust him to keep us through all that is before us today. Which brings us, church, to our second point, which is that in the midst of suffering, we must trust the truth of what is behind us as we trust the truth of God's word. In verse 2, Habakkuk 
God tells Habakkuk to do these things. He says, so that the people who read it may run with it. The Hebrew phrase here for many scholars have left some uncertainty about who the intended reader who would be running is, as it does not mention specifically who those would be. But I wonder, church, as I do many times, if that was left uh, intentionally that way, as it, as it invites for all who read it to run with it, much in the same way that the truth of the gospel does. The testimony of Habakkuk Church stands as an invitation for all to see what God is doing supernaturally, even when we can't see it in the natural. It is a call, church, to believe by faith, which is why in verse 4 we get our central theme of the book, which is that the righteous shall live by faith. In other words, there is a call for all who has eyes to see and ears to hear to, to trust the truth of God's word and, and live by its truth. This is what it means by, to, by running with it, church. It stands as a metaphor for living in light of it. A metaphor that we see throughout the Bible and, and mainly from Paul as he constantly uses this metaphor as he calls us to be those who will run with endurance. Those who will persevere. Not those who will be the fastest, but the ones who will finish the race by faith. A, per, a per, preser, perseverance that is fuel, church, by faith. Faith that helps us uh, to, who believe to hold on to it as it gives us strength to believe to the end. This is what we are told in uh, uh, Isaiah chapter 40 verses 21, 28 through 31 as it says, have you not known have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles and shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. God is saying to Habakkuk church, write this down and make it plain. So that all those who read it will believe it and find their strength and trust in me. That they would know that I am an everlasting God who gives them strength to endure to the end. Strength that I provide as they place their trust, trust in me. Strength, church, that comes by faith. As faith produces patience and endurance. Patience and endurance that will keep them even as they face some of the most challenging suffering. As they wait for the vision and it's an appointed time. In other words, you cannot force God's hand, church. You cannot press him to your will with your prayers that he might provide your outcome. 
But as you trust in his sovereign will and plan, he guarantees to you today that he will give you strength to endure it. This is why the prosperity gospel church is so wicked because it is a theology that subjects God to our will rather than pointing us to a God that strengthens us to trust his. A God that hears our cries and laments and tells us that we can lay our burdens at his feet that he might give us rest, church. Rest that comes as he strengthens us in our suffering even when our situation is unchanging. It's this strength, church, that the old folks used to sing about as they sung of holding on to his unchanging hand as we build our hopes on eternal things. Mm. A hope that they held on to when their times were extremely hard and challenging, where there was no natural hope in sight. They trusted in a God who said that he would never leave them nor forsake them. Many times today, church, it feels like we have lost this hope. And I pray that the church would recover a hope like theirs as they trusted in the unchanging hand of an unchanging God. A hope that not only looks at the reality of the natural, but that is built on eternal things in the supernatural, which leads us to our last point, that is simply in the midst of suffering, we must cling to the promises that are ahead of us as we cling to the hope of glory. As we are honest about the reality of the world that is before us and as we trust in the truth of what is behind us to truly live by faith in the midst of suffering church we must cling to the promises ahead of us as he carries us through even our most turbulent times we must trust the truth of God's word knowing that it will come to be even in the toughest times, when it seems slow, we must be those who will wait for it. For his word tells us that it will surely come at its appointed time. In other words, don't let what you are seeing take away your trust of what, uh, don't let what you are seeing naturally with your eyes take away uh, your trust of, of what he has placed supernaturally in your heart. For all that he says he will do, he will do and accomplish, and it will come to pass. And those who truly live by faith will be those who will truly trust him to the very end, clinging to the very hope of glory. As we hold on to the revelation, church, of his word all the stories of what he has done, all the promises of what he will do, all that it tells us of his mighty character. We must be those who will keep him and his word at the center of our lives as we, as we become those who, who are pressing towards the mark so that we don't become ensnared, church, by the evil one and his kingdom of darkness. God's call to faith quickly turns to words of warning 
as Habakkuk quickly moves to words of woe in chapter 2, verse 6 through 20. It stands as a specific warning to Babylon that can easily be applied to all as it warns those who continue to walk in wickedness that there is also a promised church for them. A promise of coming wrath, a promise of destruction and justice that will be much greater than anything seen on the earth for all who continue to commit these atrocities against a holy God, for all who continue to plunder others for their gain, whose only concern is for self-glorification and satisfaction, those who hunger for power and riches continually driving them to sin and lawlessness, priding themselves in their independence from a holy God, Habakkuk says for them, Be warned, there is a day coming when all who sins against a holy God will have to give an account. This woe of Habakkuk once again mirrors the very warning of the gospel. As it reminds us, church, that the the wages of sin is death. In the very same way, it, call, it is a call for repentance, urging them to turn from their wicked ways that they might run with the word of God. We are also reminded that as long as there is, uh, uh, as long as there are those who will continue to sin in this world, there will always be injustice. There will always be violence and destruction as God brings about his ultimate justice. But until then, we must trust in all that he is doing and have done in the lives of others. We must look at his word and allow them to strengthen us as their testimony and witness becomes the very means for our faith especially as we are those who through the witness of the prophets and the apostles have the testimony of the cross. A testimony that tells of a God whose purposes is one of redemption and justice, whose plans are those of peace and hope, and whose promise is an inheritance, church, of great glory. The promise that we cling to as he has unveiled our faces and allowed us to see the glory of his marvelous son, the one who has come to take away all of our sins that we might enter into the riches of his glory. We have witnessed the one who was prophesied to come before and during the days of Habakkuk through the testimony of the gospel writers and the illumination of the Holy Spirit. And now we stand, church, as those who are resting in the witness of his finished work. And as we trust in the testimonies of the saints who all point to him, for we are surrounded by a great cloud of witness as described in Hebrews 11. And we live as those described in Hebrews 12. As it says, therefore... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely 
And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We, in the midst of pain and suffering, must be those who cling to this promise and flee sin at all costs. Those who lay aside every weight as we cast our cares on the Lord through prayer and lament and run with his word with endurance. Trusting him as he promises to heal every pain and make right every injustice. We must trust church in the founder of our faith and hold on to his promises believing that at the end of the race he will make us as perfect as he is. We must ask God for help that we might face our great suffering like Christ with joy as we see our earthly lives as a sacrifice for his great glory so that one great day we might be seated with him on his throne where there will be no violence and disease, where there will be no sin and suffering, where we will live in great joy with our Lord and King forever. We must cling to all of these things, church, so that in the midst of, of suffering, we might be able to rejoice in the Lord as Habakkuk does at the end of this great book. In chapter three, Habakkuk ends this book with a song, a song of worship as he begins to lift up the name and the mighty deeds of the Lord. A worship church that ends with rejoicing. As he says in verse 17, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail and the yields and yields no food. The flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. In the book of Habakkuk, the Lord gives us, church, a great gift. As we see how our God, who is unchanging, hears our cries even in the most desperate moments. We get to watch as he answers the great cries and prayers of lament from Habakkuk by strengthening his faith as he takes the great burden of Habakkuk and instills hope in him and the people, showing himself to be true. Though Habakkuk's circumstances never changes, we get to see the great grace of God as he keeps him taking his great prophet from the most desperate cries of hopelessness to rejoicing in the midst of his troubles. I pray that if any of you are struggling today, that you will find comfort in this great message, knowing that God hears, knowing that he will keep you, and knowing that he promises to give you everlasting joy. In the end, let us pray, church.